Hello, friends. Thank you so much for listening to the Kindred Church podcast. We are in our fourth and our final week in our study of the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, we're starting off this podcast a little bit different, as you may have already noticed. That's because last night at church, we had a worship night. And if you have been to one of those before, a worship night entails a whole lot of singing, a whole lot of music, and a few spots throughout the night where we would stop and talk about specific things. And so as opposed to uh, us posting nothing from last night, we still wanted to share those little moments where we did speak. So I'm going to kick it to Zach here in just a second. But while I have you here, I would love to point you to uh, a page on our website. So at the end of this podcast, you'll hear Zach talk about ways that you can connect at Kindred Church. And this is so important to us because we really believe that we belong to God and we belong to each other. And so if you're listening to this, there are chances that you may not be able to connect in in certain ways uh, that you may want, whether that is attending church in person uh, or groups or or whatever that may look like. And so we want to provide you the opportunity to be able to do that. The best place to connect is on our website at kindredchurch.co slash connect. So one more time, that's kindredchurch.co slash connect. We would love for you to check out that page. There are a bunch of different options on ways that you can connect with our church, stay up to date with events that we have coming up, or even get connected with a group, whether that's in person or online. So we would love for you to check that out, and we would love to connect with you. So without further ado, I'm going to kick it to Zach, and he's going to start off our podcast by leading us through communion. We wanted to start tonight with communion uh, for a different reason, and and there's a lot of good reasons, but I want to talk about it this way tonight. In Ecclesiastes, one of the big themes, Tom and I will talk about this tonight, is the teacher, the writer of the book, says that everything is meaningless, right? And he says, there's a chasing after the wind. We try to grab things that we can never get a hold of. And so, as I've been reflecting on communion, I've been thinking about how Jesus makes things meaningful, right? He gives us reasons to continue to go after good things and to continue to live this life. He makes our lives meaningful. And so communion itself, uh, originally, when Jesus uh, broke bread with his disciples, uh, it was a celebration of Passover. It was a celebration for the Jewish people uh, of the fact that they were freed from slavery and they could live life in a brand new way. So Jesus actually was, was pulling that back up and recalling that for his followers, saying, the real freedom that you've wanted and the real place that you want to be is going to come through my death and resurrection. And so he told his disciples, this is Paul kind of talking about it later in 1 Corinthians. Paul says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread and we had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant, this new agreement that's sealed in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. A communion uh, simply put, uh, the root of it, it means this. It means that the sharing and exchanging of deep thoughts and feelings. That's what the word actually means. So we do that with God. We exchange those thoughts and feelings with him, the, the deepest desires, the, the, the hardest parts of our lives, the things that we wish were different, right? We give him our sin and he gives us forgiveness. But it's also done together. 
So communion is celebration, right, of freedom. It's communion with both God and with each other. And it's a celebration uh, for each one of us as we uh, celebrate that we have Jesus and we have each other. So it's about connection too. Jesus brings us together. Jesus gives us commonality. Jesus gives us a reason to continue to push for better things. And we share the deepest parts of our life with him and then hopefully with one another as well. So here's what I invite you to do. Uh, We have bread uh, here and here, and there's some in the back as well. Those high tables have gluten-free bread because uh, those of us who are gluten-free are closer to heaven. So that's their, um, I know, it's true. So you can grab that uh, on your own time and bring it back to your seat. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Uh, Maybe you came with somebody tonight and you want to take that communion together. I would encourage you to do that. Or if you came by yourself, I would maybe challenge you or push you a little bit to maybe find somebody else to connect to, whether it's a group of people, where that might be like, or if you just want to do it alone, I'm not going to make you do anything, okay? The communion's about you, it's about Jesus, but like most things, you'll hear me say this again tonight, it's about each other as well. So I'm going to pray and invite you to grab that, those elements afterwards on your own time. So God, freedom. There's a, they don't have to be like chasing the wind. But instead, Jesus, you give us tangible things to go after. You give us uh, the ability to connect to one another, to have the deepest parts of, of our heart, the deepest parts of who we are, that, that we open up just sometimes to you, God. But you give us good gifts of other people sometimes that open this up to so much more, this connection. So God, I pray in this connection that we have, in this communion that we both have and give and take, and God, in this celebration that we tonight hold in honor of the fact that Jesus' broken body and spilled blood didn't just defeat sin, but it defeated death. It gives us a reason to know that life can be good and life can be meaningful. And we thank you that's because of Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. So um, we're going to jump into a quick little uh, talk here. I just wanted to basically um, say a few things as we're just, we're wrapping up this study of the book of Ecclesiastes today. So we've spent the last three weeks, as Zach was saying, uh, studying this book. And so I'd love to just kind of take us through this really broad stroke sort of summary real quick uh, of this book. And uh, the vast majority of Ecclesiastes is spoken from the perspective of the teacher. Uh, and and if, if you've been here the last three weeks, you've kind of heard some of the doom and gloom that has been talked about, how everything is meaningless. Uh, it kind of reminds me of a professor I had in college who always thought the world was going to end in like two weeks. I don't know if anybody else had that professor. <laughs> he, was a, he was a trip. Uh, but uh, it's it's interesting. Luckily, the teacher in the book of Ecclesiastes who's uh, speaking, he, he's full of wisdom and he actually presents a solution to the problems that he's talking about. So he spends the first few chapters of the book explaining how everything in life is meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. The word that he uses for meaningless is this word hebel. And uh, he uses it 38 times. He, one of the ways that he uses it a lot is, is hebel, hebel. Everything is utterly hebel. Very optimistic. So hebel gets translated as meaningless, but it can also be defined as a vapor or a smoke. Uh, and it's, it's used 38 times to tell us that life is just, it's temporary. It's fleeting. Uh, but also that life is, it's an enigma and it's a paradox, kind of like smoke. It appears to be solid, but when you try and grab onto it, there's nothing there. 
So the teacher has come to this conclusion after spending years and years of ultimate wisdom. More than anyone who's ruled over Jerusalem before me, I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. So he's become the most wise. Uh, and ultimately, in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, he concludes that this immense wisdom is Hebel. Uh, because you can be the, the wisest person in the world and still not be able to predict the future or to predict the end of your life. So the teacher also pursued ultimate pleasure. And it says that he cheered himself with wine. Which I, I thought it said cheers himself with wine, and I thought that was better. <laughs> He's just like, yeah. But um, it's not what it says. So uh, he also undertook great projects. He built houses. He built reservoirs and vineyards. He bought more herds and flocks than anyone. He amassed more gold and silver than anyone. He even bought singers. Uh, and so it says after that in Ecclesiastes 2, it says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. So the teacher spent years of his life pursuing ultimate wisdom, ultimate money, ultimate pleasure, ultimate status. And in the end, he realizes that those supposedly ultimate things are ultimately meaningless. They're ultimately hebel. So if, if we take a moment to try and recap the teacher's experiences, we could say this. Ultimate wisdom does not guarantee things will go the way you think they should. Ultimate wealth does not guarantee you'll always have it or that those you leave it to will use it wisely and appreciate it. And ultimate pleasure does not guarantee eternal fulfillment and purpose. So what are we supposed to do with all this? <laughs> this doesn't seem to be helpful at the moment, but the teacher provides an answer that he mentions uh, six times in the book of Ecclesiastes. And it's always some version of this. It says this, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? In another passage, he says it this way, go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. So the teacher's conclusion is to have joy and gladness and to enjoy the little things, a good meal, a good drink, a hard day's work, to enjoy life with your spouse and your family and your friends. And the teacher's not only giving us permission to do this, but he says it's our lot in life to have a good steak and maybe a glass of wine <laughs> and to enjoy it. That may be all you needed to hear tonight. I don't know about you. It's certainly good news for me. I love steak. But it's worth reiterating that the teacher says we should eat, we should drink, we should find satisfaction in our work. And the most important thing to remember in all of this is to remember where these blessings have come from. Now remember early in their own time, who gift is from above. Every good thing that we have has been given to us by God. Every meal, every day, every breath, our relationships, our money, our life, they're all gifts of the God who loves us and who gave them to us. 
So this teacher says, we're to spend the days of our life that we have on this earth enjoying what we have and delighting in the one who gave it to us. Everything outside of that, it's ultimately hebel. It's ultimately meaningless. And it's ultimately out of our control, which is really hard sometimes. (laughs) Thank God that the one who is in control is a good God who loves us so much that he gave us every blessing that we have, including eternal life with him through the sacrifice of Jesus. So I'm gonna ask the band to come back up. We're gonna sing a couple more songs. Uh, I'd love to invite you to stand with us as well. Let's stand together. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the gift of life and the blessings that you have given us. And, and God, we, we just ask you, uh, we ask that you instill this wisdom from the book of Ecclesiastes into our hearts and into our minds. And we pray that we'd be able to find satisfaction and joy in the little things in our lives. And when it comes to the big things, God, that you would just gently remind us that you are the one that's in control uh, and not us. Uh, we're so thankful that you are the one that is in control because you're the one who's ultimately good. You're the one who has the power to turn bad things into good, to make graves into gardens, and shame into glory. And so we we praise you for who you are and what you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For this last portion of our podcast, Zach is going to be walking us through this exercise that we did as a church together, and it involves uh, writing out some answers on this sheet of paper. And so we wanted to make that file available to you in case you wanted to also do this at home or wherever you are listening from. So you can find that file at kindredchurch.co slash three strands, and three is spelled out. So it's kindredchurch.co slash T-H-R-E-E strands. And we would love for you to download that file there and to follow along. Kendra, this last month, uh, as we've continued to look at this letter or this, this book of Ecclesiastes written by the teacher, we've explored these big concepts. And I found them uh, sometimes encouraging, sometimes challenging. But um, uh, tonight, I want to wrap up our, our kind of last words of Ecclesiastes by looking one more time at a famous passage uh, that we briefly looked at last week, probably one of the most uh, known passages in Ecclesiastes. Uh, it's one about God being a good father, God giving us gifts that, that supplement our lives and make them better. And, and it's from uh, chapter four. It says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And I mentioned this last week, but a lot of times we hear this verse used like in a wedding ceremony. And it's a great illustration for a wedding ceremony, but it's not actually the original intent of the passage. Just, just like 1 Corinthians 13, the famous passage on love has been used in weddings so much that sometimes we associate it that way. It actually has so much more to say than just that. This passage in Ecclesiastes is talking uh, about our lives, every single one of us, what it looks like when we put God at the center of it and build around that. It's teaching us uh, this illustration of really the everyday. Like when we believe this thing that we say around here a lot, that we belong to God and we belong to each other, 
this chord of three strands is kind of the illustration that pops out. You know, you guys have this sheet that, uh, that Tommy made that you should all have. If you don't have one next to you or close to you, uh, we'll, we'll get you one. You can throw your hand up if somebody will get you one. Um, but I want to look at it together uh, for just a little bit tonight. Together. The first strand of that chord is our own lives, each one of us. The, the fact that God has made each one of us, created each one of us with something really significant and specific in mind. One of the scriptures on your card is from Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's handiwork. Another word that gets translated there is masterpiece. We are the best work of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance. And that's kind of the story of how good God is. It's a small snippet of one of the ways that we can talk about how he's made our life pointed a certain way for a reason. So when life is difficult or times are tough, we can remember that the fullness of Jesus, every single thing that Jesus is, God and the body of a man who never sinned, who lived a perfect life, who defeated sin and death, all of that fullness resides in us. We are his. God himself is the center strand. He's the center strand, and, and there's a really great verse on here about how we can abide in him and he abides in us, but I want to talk about it this way. God is the center strand as God the Father, and as God the Son, and as God the Holy Spirit. He's all of those things. God gives us life. He breathes his spirit into dust and forms us. He creates each one of us. Jesus, as God, defeats sin and more than that, he defeats death by resurrecting from the grave. He gives each one of us a chance to do the same, to put all of our death and all of our sin on him and to walk in fullness alongside Jesus. That's all it means to be a Christian, right? And then God, the Father, the Son, and God as the Holy Spirit, he, he animates us. He gives us gifts. At one point, the Bible in Acts, it says we live and move and have our being in him. But this last strand is one that we call tonight uh, others. And this strand is one that is about the people you surround yourself with. Who's in your life? Who builds you up? Who makes you better? And this can be, honestly, the difficult one. Right? In some seasons, it can be nearly impossible. I don't know about for all of you, but for me, I've had a few seasons of my life that were lonely and felt like they were ever go never going a different direction and that I wasn't ever going to figure it out. Some of you maybe even sit in one of those seasons now. And so it can be difficult. It can be hard to try to find something that changes it. Now, forcing friendships doesn't work out. Forcing community never seems to be the thing. And so we start trying to figure out what's it look like to find this absence of connection. And it can be so detrimental to us when we have it. I heard somebody, uh, I read somebody say recently that in this time we live in, we feel like we're more connected than ever because of social media and TV and, you know, whatever that may be. But instead, we live in one of the loneliest ages that there is because real connection, true connection is often absent. The truth is this, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we really do believe that we belong to each other. It's one of the most important things to us here at Kindred. And I believe this, that the Christian faith is a communal one. Just like we talked about at the top of service in communion, that this life was meant to, to be lived together. The covenant, the new covenant that we celebrate at communion is a covenant that was given to a people, to us, not to individuals. So living it out alone is not the way it was intended to be. So as we thought about this this week, and Tommy and Jen and I talked about it and prayed about it, take stock and walk and what that looks like in your life. And the first one is simply this. 
What does community look like for you? What do other people around you that make you better, that push you towards good things instead of bad things, that encourage you, what does that look like in your life right now? I want to invite you to take a few seconds and jot an answer down. This is just for you. This car is going home with you. I'm not collecting them or giving them to the government or anything like that. So this is just for you. What's it look like currently for you? I know some of you are still writing, but as, as we kind of move forward and you complete that thought for yourself, the second little area there, it asks simply this, what would it look like ideally for you in this time of your life? And some of you, it's going to match up. It's going to be the same answer in both of those, and that's a really good thing. But for a lot of us in here, we're going to recognize what, what we're missing, what the thing is that we really want, that, that we wish was in our life. So go ahead and take some time to, to finish that first. And also to fill out that second, what would a perfect community, what, a, what would a, a great others look like for you right now? And that last little part there, finally, it asks, what's an actionable step that you could take to, to change that gap or that difference? Or if they're the same, what's an actionable step you can take to make sure it remains? And what can be done about this thing? And so we have a suggestion tonight, because this is a, a difficult thing. You can't make community. You can't force it. You can just try to set it up. And so one of the things that's important to us, and so the reason that we have quarterly events, the reason that we're going to go sit in the sun at the Rockies game, right? The reason that we went to the Bay a few weeks ago, the reason that we have the cornhole tournament where the wind made me lose. That was the only thing that could have been. But the reason we do that is just to give a chance for a really low level time where you can meet somebody and maybe they won't become your best friend right away. You know, even the stepbrothers took a little bit of time to be best friends. It takes, it takes some time, some time, but to give you a chance to meet somebody, to be around other people. And maybe that's the only time you will. And that's okay too. But we also want to invite you to some other steps that we have here as well. One of them is this, uh, a couple of my friends that are, that are here tonight right now, they had this idea, what if we started getting together and we show Hebrews, we pray and we, uh, we do a little bit of life together. And that is a place and a time that's open to, to anybody that wants to show up. And this week, uh, Saturday, 8 a.m. at the Panera, a group of women is going to start meeting there as well. It's practically empty. It's a gluten fest. Nobody wants to be there. So uh, we have plenty of tables, plenty of good time. If anybody is in a season where they're like, I don't know how to connect to somebody. I don't know where to even look. Every Saturday, uh, I'm not always there. Sometimes I'm gone. Sometimes other people are traveling. Somebody's there at 8 o'clock at Panera, and we'd love for you to connect with us there. Maybe once a month. Maybe you can go every week. Maybe you can't wait to go. Maybe you show up every once in a while. We would love to see you there as a place just to, to be known, to be seen, and to connect with somebody in some way, right? So we want to invite you to that as well. We're going to continue to have these events, these quarterly events, and we're going to continue to try to push after what it might look like. Some people have groups that they meet in because they've met people at these things and started going to places together. The best times and the best ways that this happens is when it's organic, right? When it's just your life that matches up with somebody else's. Now, the truth is this, that deep connections can take time. And sometimes it takes years, uh, and sometimes it doesn't. So your step might be different. Your, your step might be that you just want to stay and keep it exactly like it is right now. Your step might look like, hey, I know specifically I'm supposed to do this or do that. But I want to invite you, if none of that makes sense to you and you're like, I want something different, you can use that QR code to send us a message and tell us how we can help you find somebody in some group or something. Because the reason that we're doing this at all. Uh, you know, like I, we're not getting rich and famous and buying boats, right? We're doing this because we really believe in this idea that we can have a community that talks about belonging, 
to one another. And it's really, really important to us. We want to help. We want to make sure that everyone has that opportunity. So I'm going to pray. Uh, This card, again, is for you. Stick it in your Bible. Throw it in the trash on the way out if you want to. But I hope that you took something from it tonight as we close the chapter of Ecclesiastes and move to some new stuff. So let's uh, stand and pray, and we're going to finish off the night together with a little bit more worship. God, I, I thank you. And God, I pray that as we each build our cord, this three strands of ourselves in you and others, God, I pray that we would build a, a strong cord, that we would build one that uh, is, is woven together with the right materials in the right way so that it does resist uh, breaking. God, I pray that we would uh, enter your care, that we'd allow you to be right there with us to help us find out what it really means to say we belong to you and that we belong to each other. God, I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.